If you have your Bibles with you today, you can open with me. But we're going to do something a little bit different. And uh, uh, Stacia, I love you, but you're going to be jumping around a little bit. So um, thank God that we've got you back there today because I know that you know I'm a little weird and, and you're going to follow me. Um, but we're going to do something a little bit different. I had all this scripture I wanted to read to you guys today. And as I was putting it together, it just didn't seem right. It didn't seem right. It didn't seem right. And now I know why. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you a picture and I'm going to tell you a story. And then I'm going to summarize this so that we can get an idea of what I think God's wanting to speak to us about. But in the 27th chapter of Acts, if you were here last week, you know that we talked about how God's purpose through us, the church, is to let our story display his story, okay? Our story is intended to display his story. That's what I talked about. And I spoke about the situation, how Paul was, it was prophesied over Paul. Agabus said that he was going to be bound. He'd be held in Jerusalem. Um, But then there was a word from God and God's word to Paul was that he would have to give testimony, not just in Jerusalem to who God was or Christ is, but also in Rome itself. And and we unpacked that last week to talk about what that would look like. Um, I want to just take a couple minutes this morning and I want to tell you a brief story. And then I'd like to respond, continue to respond as a church, because I don't feel like I want to change what we're doing this morning, but I feel like we need to have a moment where we bring the word of God to the people because the word of God is the only thing that roots us and grounds us in this world. Opinions of men and women. Listen, They're only opinions. We need God's word to change us. We need God's word to speak to us. And his word is that very thing that transforms us. So summarizing it all, we're going to tell a story in Acts chapter 27, where now Paul begins to take a trip from where he is in Caesarea and he's making his way to Rome and he's going to do it by boat or by ship. Okay. And you can take a moment with me and just look at this map. And I'm going to reference it through what I read. But I'm showing you this because this is the journey that Paul is getting ready to embark on. Okay? He's starting down here in Caesarea where he is. He's going to make his way to Sidon, then to Myra. Then he's going to go to uh, Snidus. Eventually he makes his way to Fair Havens, which is south of Crete. A huge storm will come and take them all the way across the Mediterranean Sea to Malta which they were winter for the, for the winter there. They'll stay for the winter until God eventually brings them up through Italy where he lands in Rome. I'm going to read a couple pieces of this and we're going to jump through it and I'll fill in the holes so we're not reading everything. But in verse 27, I'm sorry, in chapter 27, verse 1, Scripture says, when it was decided that we would sail for Rome, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. When boarded, we boarded a ship for Adramidium, for Adramidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. So what we will see through the rest of this, they go out to sea and they travel. Okay, and this is what's going to happen. We'll go back to that map just for a second. From that place, here's what happens. And you can read through the rest of this, but Sidon is where they first go. And if you notice, the boat has to go around the coast because taking a trip from Caesarea straight across to Malta is like a death sentence in that technology. We can do it today in four or five days with our boat technology, but their boats were a whole lot smaller and a whole lot slower and a whole lot less rugged. 
but they make their way all the way across the coast. The goal for them is to get to Southern Crete and to stay there and to weather the storm or weather the winter in Crete, okay? So when they get to this place, that's what their recommendation would be. But in verse 6, we see the update of what happens when they're in Crete. There's a centurion found there. The centurion, in verse 6, finds an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving at Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassie. Verse 9, much time has been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was the day of atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So that's what we're seeing as Paul's on his way to Rome. And this is where everything changes in the story. Because instead of making it to Phoenix, a nor'easter comes down. A hurricane-force storm comes down and pushes them out to sea. And the scripture says that they aren't just out to sea for a day or for two days, but they think they're going to die. They take ropes and they throw it underneath the ship to try to keep the ship from breaking apart. They go without food, not for two days, three days, four days. They go without food for 14 days, thinking they're going to die. They've given up all hope that they're going to die or that they're going to live. But Paul comes to them in verse 23. And in verse 23, he says, Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. In the midst of the storm, God speaks. In the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the hopelessness, God speaks. Now, there is a shipwreck. There is fear. There is doubt. And some of the soldiers and some of the crew members don't believe what Paul's saying. So in verse 29, not in 27, in verse 29, we read, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they, some of the sailors, dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. From the bow. So, not everyone's on board with his plan, right? Then Paul said in verse 31 to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Verse 33, just before Paul, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. 
they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. All together, look, three, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Pretty amazing story, isn't it? You watch what's been happening in the midst of this 14 days at sea. Paul gets a word from God. The sailors are trying to get around that word. They are forced to cut the lifeboat to follow Paul's instruction by order of the centurion so that their lives can be saved. And we see based on what happens next, and I'm not going to read it, but they do come aground. They end up at a place called Malta. Every single one of them is saved. And then the story goes on in chapter 28, and we're not going to go there this morning. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. As I was preparing for this this morning, and I didn't really know where we were going to go, there's a lot of there's a lot of titles that I could have put around this message. And they could have been anything like surviving the storms of life, or uh, when, when things don't go as you planned. Or, really God? <laughs> but today's message was called Hearing God's Voice hearing God's voice because the point of the story isn't what happened to Paul or what Paul went through. It was how he got through it. The point of the story wasn't how bad his circumstances were church or how difficult things are that he's walking through. It's how he got through those things where the power is in this story. As I said earlier, when you can hear the voice of God, everything else is just noise. When you can hear the voice of God, everything else is just noise. Paul heard the voice of God, not just on that boat, but he heard it. And we won't go back, but in, in, in chapter 23, 11, you may recall that there was a night when Paul was in the midst of being arrested or he was being, um, he was in the barracks and he was afraid for his life or they were afraid for his life that the Lord stood near him and said, take courage as I've testified and you've testified about me in Jerusalem. You'll also testify about me in Rome. God spoke to him before. God assured him through the angel on the boat. And these things came to pass. It wasn't the circumstances. You see, people can look at their circumstances. You might be able to look at your circumstances and compare it to someone else's and say, well, you don't have it as bad as I do. You don't understand what I'm walking through. Listen, this isn't about the degree of circumstance. Just because someone doesn't experience the same thing I do doesn't mean that they don't understand hopelessness or betrayal or fear or pain. Your world and your story is your story, but it's not the type of issues you deal with that determine if you survive. It's the Jesus that you worship. It's the way you look at who he is. As Kathy said earlier, how short do you think my arm is? Do you think that, that God's able to reach those that are near you? but he won't connect with you? Do you think he cares more about the person next to you than he does to you? No. He speaks. He speaks to you. He speaks to me. He wants to continue to walk with us. And he does speak all through scripture. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Notice that he didn't say the credentialed ministered sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Notice he didn't say the children's ministry leaders listen to my voice. Or the worship team hear my voice. He said my sheep listen to my voice. That includes everyone 
who makes a decision to follow Christ, that we can hear the voice of God. God will speak in our lives. God speaks in many different ways. And I was going to walk through this this morning and I'm not going to, I just, I just want to touch on a couple brief things though. This morning, God will speak to you in circumstances. Do you know that he will speak to you in circumstances? How do we know that? We know that because the apostle Paul saw the circumstances unfolding of the word that was already spoken to him. You maybe have had circumstances where God has spoken to you and affirmed what he's doing in your life. Things around us are ways that God can speak to us. Are we looking and are we listening for circumstances where God is speaking because of the things that are happening around us? He also speaks through other believers. In verse 3 of 27, we won't go there, but when they, when they stopped in one port, Scripture says that Paul actually went and he was given permission to go with his friends so that they can encourage him, build him up, and support him. God speaks through other believers. Do you know that? Sometimes it's not what you have to say, but it's about what the person that's next to you and what they need to hear, what they can say to you, how they can support you, how they can love you, how they can walk alongside you. We need other people to do this together. God has not created an island of believers. He's created, I don't mean one island, I mean all individual islands. He's created a community of faith. That's why we need others to hear God's voice many times. And I can think of countless times countless times where I've been at places where I've needed to hear something from God and it doesn't come from something within or something that I'm reading or something that I'm observing. It comes from another person. Do you have people that you let speak to you? Another way God speaks, and this is what a lot of people consider when we talk about God speaking is the inner voice. God speaks through the inner voice verses 23 through 24, we hear exam- we see an example of how the angel of the Lord visited Paul and affirmed to him, hey, remember, you still have to go to Rome. God's got you and he's bringing everybody here and he's saving all these people because he's saving you as well. There is that still small voice. It's a spirit of God that works in us and through us. The spirit of God that works in us and works through us. He is that voice that we are listening to. Do you know that he is trying to talk to each one of us today? He tries to talk to you. He tries to talk to me. Spirit of God living in us, moving around us. How many times can we talk about examples where God has used his voice to speak in us and through us? That's one of the bigger ways that people think of when they think about the spirit of God speaking. They think about the inner voice and maybe you've not had that experience, but can I tell you, it's very real. It's very real. And God wants to speak to you that way. How else does he speak? Two other ways I want to mention briefly this morning. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through prayer. Isn't it interesting while they're in the boat for 14 days, Paul gathers them together. They sit they eat and they give thanks. You know what that giving thanks means? He prayed while they were in the boat, while they were fearing for their lives. They sat down and they had a meal together and they prayed. God speaks to us through prayer. Prayer isn't designed to just give requests to God. It's an opportunity for us to communicate with God. Cabby talked about that last week when he talked about the jumpstart class. Prayer is not just us saying words to God. It's speaking to God and him speaking in return. 
this past week, I told a story about something that happened to me and someone asked me whether or not God really cares about the little details of our lives. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, does he care about every detail of our life? I mean, he gives us permission. Sometimes it's not about whether we choose orange juice or milk and we don't have to pray about that. But there are details of our life that God knows if it matters to us, it matters to him. If our hearts are looking for him. And it was a few months ago that I remember I was in a place where I was looking for a set of tools. Some of you saw some of my tools last week, but I was looking for a very specific set of wrenches that I could not find to fix a car that was needing that specific tool. And I was frustrated and I looked for a week and I couldn't find them because I had too many things and not enough space. And I was getting frustrated. I looked for days. And then prayer meeting came along on Tuesday night. Every Tuesday evening we come at 7 o'clock and we pray. And I was getting ready to come to prayer meeting. And I still was looking for them in the garage. And I just said, forget it. I'm, I'm done. I can't find them. I'm going to prayer meeting. Came to prayer meeting. Sat here on the stage while we prayed. And maybe 45 minutes to an hour into the time where we were praying, I got a picture in my mind. And the picture of my mind was a space in my garage underneath some things. And in that picture of my mind, I saw the tools. And I opened my eyes and I said, I know exactly where they are. And I got up and the prayer meeting was over and I went to my garage and I moved the stuff out of the way and I pulled open the case and they were sitting right there. And I can tell you countless stories like that about what God has done to me, for me, other people that have shared those stories. It's just about quieting your heart and listening because he's looking to speak. Does that make sense? He wants to speak to you and he wants to speak through me. But the most important area that I want you to hear about and how I think God speaks, and I think this is so important because though the other three are so important through circumstances, other believers, the inner voice and prayer, God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you through his word. The apostle Paul said all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He was actually being serious about that. He said it's God breathed. The word of God is God breathed. Dr. Tony Evans said the Bible is the voice of God in print. Think about that. The Bible is the voice of God in print. You know what I think sometimes I struggle with, and maybe you struggle with this too, is that we're looking for a word from God and a voice from God, and we're looking at all of those other examples, but we don't look at his word. The Bible is the voice of God in print. It is the number one way he speaks to us. Sure, he speaks through others and circumstances and the inner voice, but his word has given us so much to understand about his character, who we are in our identity, how we can walk in the power of the spirit, what it means to walk in holiness, how we're supposed to repent and walk in, a, in an attitude of forgiveness. There, there's so many things he has in scripture that he's already made available to us that I think sometimes we ask God to speak to us and really his response is, it's already in my word. It's already in my word. If you've ever gone on a trip and you've left your kids behind, either to care for themselves, assuming they're old enough, or maybe with those that are caring for them, maybe you've put a list together of things that are important. 
And if you've ever gone away for a weekend or an afternoon or whatever, and you've left a to-do list for your kids to do, which we have done at different times in our past, there's no conversation that takes place in that house that says, we don't really know what mom and dad want us to do because they're not here telling us face to face. No, the list was there. And the list represents our instruction because we wrote it. So if the list is there and we read it, it's the same thing as me speaking it. Does that make sense? God's word. God's word is his written list of instruction and love and care for you and for me. This is how we, we clearly can hear God's voice. voice of God in print. We spent some time during our worship time today just quieting our hearts, and I think it's one step. But if we want to ask the question, how can we really hear the God, God's voice? And I don't just mean the ways God speaks, but how do we really hear God's voice? You can look at all of those examples that I gave you, but there's something that has to happen for those five things to take place. And that's this. The way that we hear God's voice is to listen and obey. We have to listen to what we hear. We have to pay attention with open ears to listen. And then once we hear, we need to walk in obedience to what we're hearing. And that allows us to confirm what God has been doing in us and through us. Mother Teresa said, if you are hungry to hear the voice of God, you will hear. To hear, you have to cut out all other things. To hear, you will have to cut out all other things. What do we have to cut out in our lives? Well, to hear the voice of God and to see the voice of God manifest on that boat, they had to cut the ropes, right? They had to cut the ropes. Sometimes we're holding on to our definition of what the solution looks like. Like we're trusting in God, but there's a lifeboat that we're carrying with us everywhere we go. God, I'm going to follow you, but here's my exit plan. And maybe God's saying to you this morning, you know what I'm asking you to do. Cut the ropes and follow me. Cut the ropes and watch me work. Because if you're trying to hold on to me while you're also holding on to your own solution, you're not going to make it. We're going to close here in a minute. And this worship team is going to sing. And I just want to encourage you to just stay in this attitude as we're worshiping the Lord today. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 and 25, he said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is the word of Jesus. Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it's had what? It's foundation on what? The rock. How was its foundation on the rock? Because they heard the word of God and they obeyed it. They hear the word of God and they obey it. I don't want to give you a list of things this morning. 
But I will tell you that I have heard so many over the years where people have asked questions of God. Or they, they, they're not quite sure what the answer is. And it's not because God's word doesn't say it. It's just that they're not looking. Maybe the word of God needs to be your compass this morning. Maybe some of the things you're asking God for aren't going to be found in a change in your circumstances, but they're going to be changed in the priorities of your day. And not that you're listening to what others say, but you need to listen to what the voice of God is trying to say in your life. Maybe it's because you're looking at the lifeboat and not looking at the giver of life. I don't know. What I know is when you hear from God and you walk in a relationship with God, everything else becomes noise. So this morning, hearing from God is really an invitation for his spirit to move in us, to talk to us, to work through us. Maybe you need to open God's word and say, God, help me be a student. This is one of the biggest things that I have seen over the, over the years, myself included, is that we're more willing sometimes to hear what other people tell us about God's word. And we don't put the time and the effort in ourselves to actually see what God's word says. It's not a blanket generalization, but it's easy for us to apply things that others might say as opposed to hearing it ourselves. Because I can tell you there's a difference. There's a difference when I hear someone else tell me what God told them. And when I can say, I heard this from the Lord. It changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I move. It changes the way that I think. The word that was spoken about a renewed mind. That doesn't come just because someone else speaks that into my life. It's because God is speaking that into my life. Do you know God's word? Are you open to God's word? Are you walking in relationship with God this morning to follow his path? Or are you cutting the ropes? I'm just going to close in prayer this morning as the worship team sings. And I just want to ask if you would join us to sing this song, Spirit of the Living God. Spirit of the Living God. God, we just want to hear your voice today. I just want to invite you to speak to each person that's here. May your will be done as we worship you.